0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in today. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Chris Luard and I'm here this morning or this evening uh, to offer uh, a question and answer session slash Dharma talk on the topic of compassion. Now this is a part of a series uh, that I'm running on uh, the uh, offerings of compassion one of the four uh, immeasurable minds in the buddhist tradition those are loving kindness compassion uh, equanimity and joy Uh, now before we get into the questions and uh, and so forth the presentation of today i would like to just make a few brief announcements Uh, the first being that i am offering a spring retreat this is called Quan Yin, the Spring Retreat into Compassion. It's one of the reasons why I'm offering these programs here as a way of uh, leading into the uh, kickoff, which happens on Sunday, March 22nd. And it runs to May 13th, so that's eight weeks, uh, where we'll take a very, very deep dive into the teachings on compassion, how we cultivate uh, self-compassion, We'll spend four weeks uh, working with self-compassion and then the remaining four weeks we spend uh, cultivating compassion for others and to the world. So over those eight weeks, we'll be meeting on Sunday and Thursday evenings. This is uh, uh, U.S. time, uh, specifically East Coast time. We'll be meeting at 9 p.m. And that'll be 8 a.m. on Mondays and Fridays here in Asia or Australia or New Zealand. So adjust your uh, time schedule accordingly. Now, if you're hesitant to sign up because you can't make those times, don't worry. All of the sessions will be recorded over Zoom and made available uh, the following day for the retreat participants. So if you have to miss one session or several sessions or even all of the sessions, uh, it's still worth signing up for. Uh, And if you're missing the entire uh, online offering, you can still ask questions through email, uh, and I'm happy to address those on the Q&A sessions. So for more information about that, uh, do visit my website, www.suchsweetthunder.org, and go to the Retreats and Programs page, and there you'll find all of the information on the Retreat into Compassion. The second announcement I would like to make is that I am currently accepting applications for online students. Uh, This is for one-on-one sessions. So if you currently have a meditation practice, but you would like to take a deeper dive with a one-on-one teacher-student relationship, uh, that type of uh, situation can be really conducive for uh, progress along the meditational path, if you will, the contemplative path. Uh, One of the great benefits of that relationship is that me as the teacher, I get the opportunity to um, cultivate and uh, tailor uh, practice specifically for what one is experiencing as the student. Uh, So that is something you can't get from a book or from watching videos on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, When you have a good, experienced teacher, somebody who has walked this path for many years, uh, that teacher has the ability to really um, custom-make a practice for a student. And so that's what I'm happy to offer in the one-on-one sessions. Now, if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, again, I'll direct you to my website, www.suchsweetthunder.org, and go to the online studies page. And on that page, you'll find everything you need to get started. Okay, so that's all the announcements that I need to make uh, today. So I'd like to start this offering with a brief, a very brief guided meditation. This will probably be about five minutes long. And now, of course, uh, this is optional. Uh, so if you wish to just you know, get up and gla- get a glass of water and return when the talk starts, that's fine. Uh, but we'll be here meditating, and I do hope you'll, you'll join us. And so today in this opening meditation, we'll just come into the present moment briefly. And then the invitation will be to bring up an experience uh, that allows you to feel some sense of gratitude. Something that you might be uh, feeling grateful for that happened over the past couple of weeks, or even today, or however, whenever that is or it might be something coming in the future, a good experience that you're anticipating, that you're feeling grateful for. And we'll feel into that gratitude. Okay, enjoy the practice. And so the invitation is now to invite the body, mind, and heart to rest. We'll just come into the present moment and you might do this by just feeling the body sitting against the cushion or chair or mat or floor. And as you sit, know that you're sitting here. Just feel that you're body is sitting, perhaps just noticing the contact of the body, or perhaps noticing the gravitational pull against the body. Perhaps noticing sensations of clothing moving to adjust with the breathing process, or just noticing clothing resting against the legs, perhaps, or the shoulders. bringing attention to the breath, noticing how the breath enters and leaves the body, how the body moves with each inhalation and exhalation. And as you breathe in, just know that you're breathing in. And as you breathe out, know that you're breathing out. And while resting in this present moment experience of breath and body, the invitation is now to notice any sounds which might be available. You don't need to focus on any one particular sound unless you feel that's a good anchor for your awareness. You might want to just rest and notice the entire canopy of sound, as if you were listening to the universe orchestrate the soundtrack of the present moment, and if you get distracted Just gently return back to the present moment experience, body and breath, silence and sound. While resting here in this present moment experience, Allowing in your mind's eye to arise and experience where you feel gratitude. This can be something very, very simple. Like the purring of a cat or the beauty of a sunrise. It could be the nourishment of breakfast or dinner. Or the warmth of a hot cup of chocolate or coffee or tea could be the smile of a friend or your favorite song on the radio just settle on one thing and allow this appearance of gratitude to really settle in the mind's eye and feel into this experience of gratitude. What makes this an experience that you're grateful for? Is it a physical sensation, a warmth in the body, the heart, perhaps an opening? What does this gratitude feel like in the body, in the heart? And if it feels accessible and right to you, the invitation is now to turn the volume up on this experience of gratitude, as if we were turning up the volume on our favorite song on the radio. Just allow this gratitude to really soak into your bones. Really feeling it all the way up to the surface of the skin. And in a few breaths, we'll begin to pivot back into our conversational space And I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. Well, thank you so much for joining me for that meditation practice. I really appreciate your time and energy. And if you're watching this on recording and you'd like to explore that uh, invitation into gratitude a little bit deeper, you can press pause now uh, and uh, spend as much time as you like in that experience of gratitude. That can be really quite lovely. So I received some really wonderful questions uh, over the course of the week in regards to compassion, particularly self-compassion, but compassion as a whole. And so I'm not gonna get, I have time to get to all of the questions today, unfortunately, because I really like to take each question and, and give it its proper due. This is such a, a rich topic. Now, if I don't get to your question today, don't be disheartened. I'll surely get to it soon. Uh, and also, if you like to ask further questions or questions in general, uh, please do send them along through Messenger or email me through my website, and I'll try to get to those as soon as I can. So the first question I received, and they're they're kind of Connected these two questions, and I think you'll see how as uh, today's talk unfolds. Uh, the first question I received was, "How do we hold ourselves with compassion and move to grow at the same time?" And this is a really common experience. We often feel that if we're really, you know, compassionate with ourselves, if we're really, you know, soft with ourselves will lose the inspiration for growth that oftentimes uh, people feel that it is that inner self critic that pushes us towards growth so the idea is actually to dismantle that inner critic and in that dismantling, we actually move closer to a process of growth, and, I, and I'll try to explain why. So if we are critical of ourself, that's a state of non-acceptance. There's something in ourself and the experience of who we are that we're resisting. and in that resistance we spend sometimes a great deal of energy uh, holding that resistance in place you know the ruminations of oh i should have done this or i should do that better or i need to do this better or that requires a great deal of energy you may have noticed that already and so When we can stop spending the energy in that way, that energy becomes accessible to us. And so then we have all of that energy that we were once using in resisting ourselves, in, you know, criticizing ourselves. We can use that energy. Uh, into the practices of cultivation into growth and so what I would like to do now is kind of move us through uh, one of the practices that I'll be exploring in detail on the retreat actually this practice is abundant on my website as well on the Brahma Vihara's page and on my YouTube channel Uh, So I'm not going to do a full practice here today, but I just will walk us through this practice. This is a really common uh, uh, way of practicing compassion for ourselves and for others as well. Uh, And so how it is is that we go into a silence of meditation. And then we offer phrases of compassion to our own heart. And today we'll just be working with self-compassion. So we offer these phrases to our own heart and then in that offering we visualize or imagine what our life would look and feel like if each phrase was completely reflective of our life circumstance and so it really helps this practice if you can visualize or remember uh, a situation that you were struggling with not something that is quite traumatic because that won't serve the practice, but something that's really quite mild, but still a sense of struggle there. And call that to mind as you come into the practice. So if you wish you can follow along with me or just listen to the words, that's fine. And so again, I'll just walk us through this. And so in the silence of meditation, we'll do kind of what we, we would do, what we did at the beginning here, coming to the present moment, noticing the body, the breath, the sounds, and so forth, and then bringing up this experience of struggle. It could be being stuck in traffic. It could be, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, having a, a gentle argument uh, with a neighbor or with a loved one. You know, just some sense of struggle there. Or perhaps, you know, uh, my favorite example of late is that I I just recently had to have surgery. Uh, So struggling with coming to terms with that and then the healing process. So there's some struggle there. And then the first phrase one offers to the heart is, May I be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. and so when we offer that phrase to the heart what tends to happen is that we start to notice that push against the struggle that push against struggle is compassion so that's our first opening into the experience of compassion compassion is at its very root the desire to be free from suffering and the causes of suffering the drive to be free from struggle and the causes of our struggle. That's compassion. And so that first phrase is an, an initial uh, contact with that innate sense of compassion. May I be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. And you just kind of get a feel for what life might be like if that were possible. Now, there'll probably be some resistance to that, and that's fine. The resistance is normal. Often resistances come as, oh, that'll never happen for me, or that's impossible, or life is, you know, there's always struggle in life. That's fine. Let the resistance be there and continue visualizing what life would be like if it were possible to be free from struggle or suffering. May I be free from disturbance and harm. Offering that phrase into the heart, visualizing, imagining what your life would look and feel like if you were completely free from disturbance and harm. Now, with the first two phrases, it's often a good idea, if you will, to notice how all beings have these same drives all beings regardless of belief economic background sexual preference or orientation or identification or religion or whatever it is that you think divides us political ideologies that's a good one these days regardless of all of that we all want to be free from suffering And so that can help build a sense of camaraderie, a sense of oneness with our global tribe. That can really be a wonderful support for our own practice of self-compassion, just knowing that we're all in the same boat together. And so here we get to the third phrase, and I think this third phrase and the fourth phrase are probably where the questions that I received this week came from, and it's really common. The third phrase is, may I accept things just as they are? Well, how do we accept things just as they are when things are unfavorable? Right. And this is a really tall order. and it's designed to be that way it's designed to show us where our resistances to acceptance are that's the beauty of this practice is that it it's such a sharp knife that cuts through our habitual patterns and so may i accept things just as they are and then the mind says but But what about this and this and that? How can I accept that and and this and that? Just hold that in awareness. Again, that in itself is a practice of self-compassion. Holding our resistance, the abundance of resistance to that phrase. That in itself can be a practice into self-compassion. And so the question I received, how do we accept ourself just as we are and move towards growth at the same time and my argument is is that we have to accept ourselves just as we are in order to move towards growth because the aspects that we don't accept we resist And we may actually continue to grow in many different ways but if we do that we leave those aspects behind and that leads to sometimes subtle and sometimes not so subtle forms of repression we end up split in two the parts of us that grow and the parts of us that we can't look at can't accept and we leave those behind and then those aspects often end up causing us, sometimes, a great deal of trouble later in life. And so, this is where there there are many beautiful, wonderful uh, techniques of therapy that allow us to get to those uh, aspects of ourself that are difficult to accept. Also, the practices of forgiveness are really, really wonderful uh, so that we can forgive uh, our own transgressions. Transgressions towards ourselves and others, so that we can forgive those and then start to accept them and so that we can grow more fully. I'm going to sneeze, pardon me. <coughs> accept things just as they are. So <clears throat> uh, So uh, that's a part of the growth process, is this radical acceptance of who and what we are? No. I mentioned forgiveness towards ourselves and others, and I am going to offer my next session at the end of the week will be a session on forgiveness, because I have found forgiveness to be really uh, integral to the practices of compassion. Uh, primarily because this idea of acceptance can be so sticky. Uh, I found it to be sticky for myself, and and as I uh, give these uh, teachings to others, also uh, sticky for for many many people. It's really quite normal apparently. And so, just a little bit about forgiveness. You know, there are seven billion people on this planet, and we're all villi- villains in somebody's story. We all have villains in our own story. We're all villains in someone's story, and so I think that that is a really important uh, phrase, a really important uh, knowing to keep to the heart and mind uh, when we go into the practices of forgiveness. And I'll recap that uh, when uh, when we go into that session at the end of the week. I'm not going to jump into forgiveness now. But the idea is to, to, in order to grow, we have to accept ourselves at this stage in our process. Because growth, well, I'm kind of referring here to uh, my favorite uh, uh, evolutionary uh, scientist, if you will, among other things, he's many things, but Ken Wilbur, where he outlined the human psyche in 10 stages and he kind of uh, presents it as a uh, 10 stage or a 10 story building and so we are born and we enter into this world at the first story which is the archaic uh, growth of development we all start at that level one and then uh, we grow to level two which is the magic and mythic level two and three there and so we move into magic mythic level. And then we start to move into the egoic realms, pluralistic realms, uh, where we start to take on a third person view. We start to enter into normal society. And that's basically more or less where we hang out. That's where all of our cultures, our world, cult- world cultures, not all of them, but in the West anyway, uh, and most of Asia are at the, pluralistic or perhaps slightly higher, which is a centauric level of growth. So I know that's kind of uh, ornate and kind of a heavy way of looking at it. But anyway, that's level, or uh, stories one through five, or levels one through five of growth, like that. And that's where a lot of psychological uh, growth techniques focus on. Level one through five or one through six, up to the centauric level, just all therapy, And so forth works on this centauric level and then past that the trans transpersonal levels we're getting into transpersonal psychology meditation spiritual practices and so forth like that but it's all one growth process from birth uh, to transpersonal like that Uh, now if for some reason at let's say level 5 the egoic you know, pluralistic stage of growth and development where we're happily engaging with other people socially, Uh, we're, you know, a more or less well-adjusted member of society, Uh, but we might have some aspects of our self that aren't quite fully developed. Uh, And so here, you know, we might do things that hurt other people by acting through those aspects of our personality. And so then we get into that struggle because oh I shouldn't behave that way or I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that or that's taboo uh, you know things that our culture our society tell us uh, are you know not quite right um, for better or for worse uh, those become repressed or somewhat suffocated. And so if we can't accept those just as they are, if we can't accept ourselves just as we are, including those taboos, when we move to the higher realms, those become subjugated and repressed and, again, cause problems. So that's just another way of looking at uh, what I presented earlier. Moving on to the last few phrases of this practice that I was outlining, Uh, The the next phrase is also in regards to acceptance. May I experience the world accepting me just as I am. And so here we kind of take the world's perspective of us and fall into that acceptance. It's just another angle, another way of working with our own self-compassion what that feels like what the resistances are there and so forth and then the last phrase may I serve whatever arises and here is where I think the second question I received came from and that second question I'll just read it here let me scroll back the second question yes how can we compassionately accept things as they are and work towards social change such an important question particularly nowadays this is such an important uh, point and again from a certain perspective it's necessary to accept things as they are in order to work for social change and i'll explain why that sounds kind of counterintuitive at first i realize because social change Well, the drive towards social change can and often does come from an experience of anger or an experience of this isn't right. An experience of non acceptance. That's totally normal. You know, it's normal to, you know, to not accept the way our society, our culture is, and then move towards social change but when we do that we're actually skipping the compassion aspect of that process and i think at least from my perspective that compassion aspect is so important because it really gives that movement the stability the ground uh, to be much more effective And so I'm going to draw a couple of comparisons to some of the movements that are happening now in the United States of America. So, okay, so there's, there are these movements towards uh, social change. You know, there are large groups of people who are very, and justifiably so, very unhappy with the status quo. And so, organizing. And here's where the anger and the, the non-acceptance is, is very powerful. Because anger is such a mobilizing force. So tapping into that anger and allowing that anger uh, to be used as a type of wisdom. This isn't right. This needs to change and allowing that anger to to energize one and to mobilize forces together to come together. And then in that anger, allow self-compassion. Because we're so often taught that anger is taboo, that we shouldn't be angry. And so it's in that resistance to that anger that's arising that we run into trouble that's where we run into reactivity we we start reacting oftentimes in very harmful ways to that anger to what that anger feels like in our own body in our mind in our heart and that's where violence comes that's where we start acting in very very harmful ways to ourselves and to others to the society that we're actually trying to help you start harming that society. So allowing the anger to be the source of mobilization, the source of reason for change, the source of wisdom for that change, and then holding that anger with self-compassion until it starts to soften. So there we allow the anger to fuel, allowing the anger to be that energy for that movement forward and then holding it, allowing it to soften. The reason why we do that is because then we can move forward through a sense of clarity. Because if, if the movement that you are either leading or involvement is laced with reactive anger, you see this by, you know, violence in, in protests, burning things, stealing things, looting, whatever that reactive anger takes the form of, if that's happening, that's going to be met with an equal or greater opposite force. It's just the nature of things. If, if there's a movement that's laced with reactive anger, it's going to be met with reactive anger. And the war starts. And so if that movement is going to be effective, if that movement is going to be fruitful, that compassion needs to be present. Now, there might be movements that are laced with that reactive anger that seem actually quite productive. And that's very, uh, a very Uh, misleading if you will but it's the same in our own life right we can relate that to our own life very easily you know perhaps uh, you know we were in a situation where we got very angry and we reacted out of anger and it brought about the desired result now the only thing that does is reinforce that reactivity Unfortunately. And so then, because we're, we're starting to see that, oh, that might work. So then when another situation arises that gives us that internal feeling of resistance or anger, we react again. And it might not work that second time or that third time or that fourth time. Or we might get into a much deeper sense of suffering there. And it continues to snowball and snowball. And that's how we get into these habitual patterns that continue to bring our suffering. It's the same thing in our culture and society. You know, there may have been a movement that was really fueled and then laced with that reactive anger. And it might have worked for a year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, but eventually, if we could take that long-term view, eventually that push that was laced with that reactive anger gets met with an equal and opposite reaction, and the war starts. So if we're going to really move forward with social change that's lasting, that's, you know, got the benefit and well-being of ourselves and others at its heart, We have to access that self-compassion and allow that compassion to be a foundational pillar in that movement. When that compassion is present in the movement, it actually takes, if there is a, a, a reaction to that movement, a counter response to that movement, that compassion in the movement forward, we'll be able to take that energy in the counter response and move it productively. Just in the same as Tai Chi or Qi Gong, where you take the energy or other forms of martial arts, you take the opponent's energy and use it for your own energy, moving it forward. Compassion has that uh, quality to it, where it can absorb the opposing energy. Into, your, into its own body, if you will, and then moving forward with that energy that once opposed it, moving forward with that energy as fuel for the fire. Hmm. And so if we try to resist that anger, just compounds that anger into more reactivity and you know this in your own experience right if you just think back to a a time in your life where you got angry you can just do this for a few minutes now if you wish you know bring up into your awareness an experience where you feel anger just follow follow me now We have a few minutes, we can do this now as an experiment. Just allow everything to settle, just coming into the present moment here with me. And call into your awareness some experience of conflict. Again, something very mild, not something traumatic. You know, an argument with a co-worker, perhaps, or something, you know, mildly upsetting in your environment. And allow this experience of anger to arise. This might feel like a a kind of a fire or a, a tension in the jaw or in the abdomen or a clenching of the fists. Whoever that anger arises for you physically, And then say to yourself, no, I don't want to feel this anger. I won't feel this anger. I don't want to feel this way. Really try to push against that anger. And see what happens in your system. might find that that actually that action that resistance actually works to magnify that anger and often leads one into reactivity and so now take a deep breath and just rest for a few breaths you know just breathe in have a nice long inhalation Breathe out, allow the body to rest. And now, again, call this same situation, or it could be something different, it doesn't matter, but something, again, where you feel conflict towards, that allows you to feel into the experience of anger. Again, noting the the tension in the body, in the heart, wherever that arises for you, or in the mind. You might even visualize something that brings up this, again, something very quite mild, but enough to feel it. And now say to the anger, yes, You absolutely belong here. You need to be here right now. And thank you. You can thank your anger for being here. Thank you for telling me that something's not right. Notice the qualitative difference there in your experience. and oftentimes quite quite immediate with that acceptance of the anger you might feel a softening around the anger itself okay now just take another breath breathing in you know nice and deep and allowing that to release letting any tension or remnants of that anger go and just soften back into the present moment now. And so that's just a little example of how resisting our experience of anger tends to bring one into reactivity, or at least adds more fuel to the anger. This is such a so unfortunate that in our culture and really the world culture we're kind of taught that anger is bad that you know we shouldn't be angry particularly if you know spiritual practitioners oh my goodness if you know what will they think of me you know I meditate you know all the time and I teach meditation and what will they think of me if they know that I'm angry you know and that that resistance against the experience of anger usually adds more fuel to the anger itself more often than not and if it doesn't do that it leads to a form of repression against again again remembering that may i accept things just as they are when we do that when we accept our anger as a part of the human experience we can really just let it arise and pass We recognize that we we don't need to you know yell kick punch scream shout which causes suffering for ourselves and others and we don't need to repress it either we can let it be in the body it's not so bad there's some tension behind the jaw perhaps or in the abdomen or our fists might clench and then we just rest with it just accept that as it is it's a part of the human experience anger is normal it's not personal In fact if you have a human nervous system which all of us listening here surely does if we have a human nervous system anytime that nervous system feels threatened you'll have an experience of either anger or fear or a combination of both that's just a part of the fight-or-flight response fight-flight or freeze so you don't have to resist that you can say okay thank you for being here anger thank you for showing me thank you for pointing me in a particular direction thank you for showing me where i need to open to or what i need to do here to help the situation may i serve whatever arises And so I'm coming close to the end of this talk today. And I wanted to thank, first thank all of you all for for watching these sessions. It's really uh, tremendously rewarding for me to be able to offer these, I I so enjoy them. And if you found these sessions intriguing or helpful, uh, please do consider signing up for the eight week long uh, Retreat into Compassion. Uh, again, finding all of that information on the website, suchsweetthunder.org. Uh, because I can't really go into uh, these practices to into the depth and detail that we will be uh, going into on the retreat offering. Uh, we go very, very deep into the experience of compassion over those eight weeks. Uh, so that can be tremendously beneficial uh, to many, many people. So thanks again, thanks for sending in your questions. Again, if you do have any other questions or you wanna follow up on those, uh, please do send those along. And tune in uh, at the end of the week. Uh, I will be back on Friday morning or Thursday evening, depending on where you are tuning in, where I'll be taking a deep dive into the practices of forgiveness and how those uh, relate to our practices of self-compassion and compassion for the world. So I'll ring the bell to close out the session and make it official. Thanks again and have a great week.